0: Hi, welcome to Quiet Connection, a podcast dedicated to ending the stigma around postpartum mental health. I'm Chelsea. Today, I get to chat with my friend Antonia, who shares her experiences with pregnancy loss and her journey to processing that trauma. Let's hear from Antonia. Hello. Today, I'm here with my friend Antonia. How are you, Antonia?
1: I'm good. How are you, Chelsea?
0: I'm pretty good. I'll probably go back and forth between calling you Tonia and Antonia because I don't (laughs) think I ever call you Antonia.
1: That's totally fine.
0: (laughs) I'll try my best to be professional. Antonia, you have two kiddos. Yeah,
1: I do. Yep.
0: You've got a little boy and a little girl.
1: Little boy, little girl. My son, Trayson is almost three. He'll be three in June. And then I have a one-month-old with me right now. So when you hear baby (laughs) noises, that's why.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We are a baby and kid-friendly show, so it is all good. Awesome. (laughs) Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you pretty well, but for our listeners... Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah. So, I grew up in Vermont from Vermont. Grew up in the Northeast Kingdom and then moved to Essex when I was a junior in high school, and I've pretty much been around here ever since. <laughs> my husband and I, we've been married for going on 4 years. I've done a kind of a lot of random things with my life, but I think, you know, what I've sort of honed in on for my career has been working with students with um, severe disabilities. I know Chelsea, you and I have, that's sort of what brought us together. Yeah, I was in one school district for about seven years and I just made a transition in August to a new school district where I'm the director of a special ed sort of support team for the district. And yeah, loving it so far. It was, you know, a little bit I don't want to say weird, but it was a little bit (laughs) of a um, surprise when we got pregnant and, you know, the first year and a new job and taking maternity leave and all that kind of comes with its own things. But yeah, things are going really well.
0: That's so good.
1: Yeah. I'm so
0: happy. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) What was life like before you had your kiddos?
1: Oh gosh. It feels like I've lived 10 lifetimes since. (laughs) I've had kids and it's only been three years. But I think, you know, it was pretty typical. I think I went to college. I went to grad school, did all that. I think before I had kids, my life was a lot about work. I really enjoy what I do for my job. And, you know, at that point, I didn't really need to turn it off. I could just think about that all the time. And so I think, you know, I put a lot of time and effort into my job and my schooling and things like that, you know, also my husband and I, we've been together for almost eight years. So we were sort of establishing our life together and we have a dog and, you know, (laughs) doing those just sort of things that you do before you have kids. We didn't really have any type of schedule. We kind of did what we wanted when we wanted it. We traveled a little bit. We would go see our friends, our family. We'd go out to dinners. We'd do things like that. So I think one of the biggest shifts when we had our first child was sort of that change in our lifestyle. And not only change in lifestyle, it was all it was also COVID time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been listening to your episodes and I know a lot of people who've come on (laughs) have talked about the struggles that COVID brought and, and things like that. And we certainly felt those too. I was six months pregnant about when COVID hit sort of that like March time. yeah, And then my son was born in June and it was just a really scary and isolating time, I think for everyone. And for me, it was, specifically that way because we were bringing a baby into the world we felt nervous about bringing people around we were yeah. pretty you know serious about covid so we didn't really have the typical help that you might have when you're bringing a, a baby home yeah it was just kind of a hard time so
0: I remember yeah. i remember us all when we even heard like the first little inklings of covid like it it hadn't come to our area yet, but all of us in the office being like, nobody go near Antonia. Like e- e- nobody even breathed near her. Like, go home, Antonia.
1: <laughs> we yeah. did not want you to get sick. It was so scary. Like you want to do your job and you want to not have it really impact your life that much. But also there were so many unknowns. Yeah. And I think that was that was one of the hard things. I remember in that during that time, just like waiting for good news. Yeah. You know, like every day on the news, like waiting for something positive. And it was really hard every day to hear just so much negative. So yeah, that was was quite the time. Yeah. It was like, I
0: can't imagine having my first during that. Did you always picture yourself as a mom?
1: I did. Yeah. I wasn't... I guess I wasn't ever someone who thought I would like live to be a mom, one of those people, you know, who just like, I want to stay home with my kids and I want, you know, my whole life is going to be about my kids. But I did always picture my life with kids. And then I think it was really when I met my husband and I knew, you know, okay, now I can sort of picture our life together. I can picture having kids with this person. And that's sort of when it became for me more. I was more excited about it. I was ready for it. as soon as we got married, I was like, all right, let's go. I'm ready for kids. <laughs> I think my husband maybe could have waited a little bit longer, but but yeah, it was that was an exciting thing for me. i I feel like in the work that we do, we work with kids a lot and and I was just really excited to sort of start that next step with my husband and start our family. And we were, you know, we were lucky. we got pregnant pretty much right off um, with my first. And it was a fairly easy pregnancy. I have type 1 diabetes, and they have since I was 13 years old. So I knew going into it that I was already going to be considered someone who has a high-risk pregnancy. Mm -hmm. My diabetes is well-controlled, and I think high-risk sometimes sounds scary, but, like, I wasn't really scared. What it meant for me was just having a lot of extra appointments.
0: You got a lot of extra pictures.
1: I did. I got a lot of ultrasounds, which was, <laughs> which was really fun with my first.
0: Um,
1: and yeah, I mean, besides that last COVID time that was sort of scary, that last three months for me, the first six months were were great. I was, you know, a little bit sick, not too bad. I was kind of loving the pregnancy thing. I just like, I liked being pregnant. I was so happy. Pretty much went as expected. I was induced at 38 weeks, and our son came. And I always wanted more than one child. Mm -hmm. Uh, It took a little convincing for my husband, but (laughs) um, once we decided we were going to try again, you know, same thing. We got pregnant right off, and and felt really good about it. I think there's, you know, always the nerves about having another child, and what does that mean, and how are we, how do you make things work with two kids, and all of that, but. But we were really excited, and so with that pregnancy, it was a little over a year after we had our first. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I went in for my initial ultrasound, and they told me that you know they could see they could see the baby, they could see a heartbeat, but the heartbeat was slow for what they would have expected it to be. And without, you know, saying what they thought was going to happen, I think they pretty much a doctor came in to talk to me and said, you know, sometimes when we see this, what it means is that it's not going to be a viable pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, The doctor said, come back in 10 days and we'll have a better sense of what's going on at that point. So when I went in for that ultrasound, I was a little over eight weeks um and would be going back a little over 10 weeks to you know see what was going on and that was a pretty hard time for my husband and I and I shared it you know with some of my close friends like I know that I told you about it Chelsea I told some mm-hmm. people at work but I was pretty private about it and it had a the whole pregnancy sort of had a very different feel than what I felt with my son I was you know, very nervous, but I was trying to be positive, hoping that, you know, in 10 days, we'd go back, we'd get a good ultrasound. It would just kind of be a little blip on the radar. But unfortunately, that's not what happened. And when we did go back for that ultrasound, there was no heartbeat. Mm. So that was incredibly hard at the time. It still is. Yeah. (laughs) Um, my husband was incredibly supportive. My friends were supportive. Our families were very supportive. But it was a really hard thing to go through. And at the time, I felt very isolated because I think I felt like I was the only one that was going through that. Even though, you know, at the ultrasound, when the doctor came in to talk to me afterwards about what my options were, he said, I'm not trying to minimize this at all. This is incredibly hard and traumatic what you're going through, but I also want you to know that you're the fourth person I've had to tell today. Oh my gosh. And, you know, at the time that wasn't something I cared about. It was, you know, I was, my brain was elsewhere, but I think looking back on it, it's like so many people go through that and we always talk about how it's not talked about enough and all of those things, you know? Yeah. And I've felt like for a while, I couldn't talk about it. I just like, anytime it came up, anytime I thought about it, I was just a wreck. But then once I had sort of come to terms with it, been able to process it a little bit, I was thinking like, who can I even talk to that I know that's gone through this? And I think there were like two people that came to mind, you know? And so thinking back on what that what the doctor said like I know it happens more often than what we think and people don't always feel you know like they want to share their story or it's it does feel like something that's kind of private and hard to share and in in my experience I couldn't even talk without crying you know for a long time and so it's like it's not like I didn't want to share my story but I just couldn't it Mm -hmm. wasn't something that I could talk about at the time so I ended up you know, reaching out to a couple people that I knew went through it, and they were really wonderful. I wasn't particularly close with either of them, so it it did feel a little bit weird to just reach awkward. out. Like, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. hey, I know because you posted something on social media, and we haven't talked in ten years, but like I know you went through this, and I'm going through this, and it's just really hard. And the support that I got from both of those people was amazing, and then it kind of opened up other connections, like as time went on, there mm-hmm. were other supports that sort of came from talking to these two people. So I'm incredibly happy that I did that, even though it felt uncomfortable at the time, because by doing that, I felt like I got more supports, you know, things that I otherwise wouldn't have had.
0: Right. You wouldn't have known about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Were there any sort of like support groups or like therapists or like things like that that you utilized during that time?
1: So sort of both of those things. There were support groups like on social media and things like that. I joined, but I wasn't, you know, an active participant really. It was sort of more just being there. I did, you know, look at a couple on Instagram that I had to just not, I couldn't. Yeah, follow those pages because it was just too much. But I felt really supported by people. And then I felt, you know, it it was nice to be part of those online groups that you could sort of read stories and things like that. But like I said, I wasn't an active participant in those. I did get to a point where I was like, I think that therapy would be really beneficial for me. I had a very hard time finding a therapist.
0: Yeah, that's that's not surprising to hear.
1: Yeah, and I was trying to do it all on my own. I you know, went through our work program that they had set up and mm-hmm. kind of gave them parameters and what what was going on for me, and when they ran the search for therapists, one therapist came up. Mm. So, I moved forward with her and did a few sessions with her and it's not like I didn't feel like it was helpful, but I just think that the the connection wasn't there for us. Right. And I have a lot of friends who are in therapy and have therapists, and everybody sort of told me, like, it sometimes takes a couple tries before you find a therapist who you really connect with. So I stopped doing therapy with that person. I went to a regular appointment with my primary care physician, and She could tell I was not doing well (laughs) and helped me using their social worker through their practice, helped me find another therapist who I've been seeing since then. Things have been, I wouldn't say everything's been really great, but it has been such an amazing support for me. And I feel like one of the biggest reasons why I was able to process everything that happened, kind of understand myself a little bit more deal with some of the anxieties that came from that, but also anxieties I didn't even really know that I had. Mm. Yeah. I just can't say enough good things about therapy for me. Yeah. So that therapist worked through that loss with me and then was helping me to move forward with considering getting pregnant again. I knew from what doctors had said and what my friends had said that Most people, when they experience a pregnancy loss, it's usually just one. And typically, they're pregnant with a healthy pregnancy within the next year. Um, So I kind of had that in my head Mm -hmm. about like, okay, well, like I've had my one loss. Now that's over. And the next time we try, we're going to – it'll be fine. But unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. And we ended up losing two more Pregnancies.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Pretty quickly. So, our first miscarriage happened in November, and then we tried again in January. And so, it was sort of the end of January, beginning of February, that we had our next loss. And then, about two months later, we had our third. And it was incredibly traumatic. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I cannot imagine.
1: It was really hard. Um, and, and I... it's something I wanted so badly, and I think I wasn't willing to stop trying. Mm-hmm. but I also was getting to the point where I just needed a break. And my husband, you know, kind of pushed for that as well. And he's like, I'm not saying we need to be done, but I think we just need to take a break. You know, at that point in my life, everything revolved around it. You know, I just yeah. kept thinking like, oh, if I get pregnant, then everything will be better. And I think, you know. It, at that time, that seemed right to me. And now looking back on it, I think that really taking the break and taking more time in therapy and all of that was really beneficial and needed.
0: Yeah, giving so, yourself that space to process.
1: Yeah, and giving my body time to heal. You know, that's a lot to put your body through. And for us, it was a short period of time. So, yeah. But I just kept holding on to this thing like, okay, I've had one miscarriage. So, you know, that's that's out of the way. Now my next one will be good. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, I've had two. So now this third one, it'll be it. And then, you know, the third one came and then I was like, oh my goodness, is there something wrong with me? What is going on that, that this is happening for us? And I did go, you know, I got an ultrasound done. I got blood work done to try to rule out anything. You know that was causing it, and all the results came back saying, you know, there's no reason why Mm. this is happening. It's just unlucky, I guess. Yeah, I was gonna,
0: and that must make it that much more hard to sort of accept when there's not a reason for it.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I was getting that ultrasound done and in my head is like, I really hope they don't find anything. But then I was like, man, I kind of hope they find something because it's just having, yeah, a reason or something to be able to fix or exactly. Yeah, that's exactly how my brain was working at that point. After we got that news that everything, you know, was as it should be. um, We took our break and, you know, waited probably four months, five months My husband and I, before we started trying to get pregnant again, we kind of had a conversation like, we'll try one more time. And, you know, four miscarriages is a lot to go through. And, you know, three felt like a lot to go through, too. But I think I was it just I wasn't willing to give up on like what I pictured my life to be like hmm You know? Yeah. And that real desire for another baby. But we, we did say, okay, we'll try it one more time. time and if that doesn't work, then we're going to be done. And there was some relief in that for me, I think, making the decision to say, like, okay, one more shot. If it doesn't work out, it wasn't meant to work out. And mm-hmm. we have this amazing son who we love so much and we're so blessed to have. And it it won't take away, you know, we'll still be sad, but but it'll be okay. So, yeah, we kind of the same thing. We got pregnant again, pretty right off, and I was incredibly anxious the entire time.
0: I can only imagine.
1: I continued therapy, and and like I said, I mean, my therapist was just such an amazing support to really help me get through that. Um, as soon as I got pregnant, I connected with my primary care physician, who had kind of been recommending some anxiety medication. I did start that once I got pregnant, knowing that it was going to be difficult. Yeah. to manage. I naively thought if I got to 12 weeks, then I would not have anxiety anymore. <laughs> I can tell you that's not what happened. And yeah, I mean even the beginning of that pregnancy was difficult. There was a time when we all thought it was not going to be a viable pregnancy again mm-hmm. and I was just I was so sad about it. It was, it felt like a a repeat of the first miscarriage that we had. And I was, you know, I was really sick with this pregnancy, Mm -hmm. like physically sick. And I just remember thinking how unfair it is that I can't even pretend that I'm not pregnant (laughs) because my body is pregnant. And at that point didn't know, but I, I felt like I couldn't kind of keep that hope because it was so crushing the first time Mm -hmm. that for me I just I told my husband I don't want to talk about it I don't want to I am just gonna go through my life and for these next 10 days before we go back for our next ultrasound I am going to try my best to pretend I'm not pregnant Mm. it was almost like I was like numb
0: oh my gosh to it yeah like not letting yourself feel it so that you hopefully, like, weren't as crushed if things didn't go the yeah. way that you hoped.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and I would talk to people who were so well-intentioned, but they would be like, you know, it's it doesn't mean that it's not going to work. You know, don't lose hope. And I was like, I just – I don't want to hope right now. Yeah. Like I just, you know, not that I didn't want to be positive, but I just wanted to not think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like I already knew what was going to happen and I was just waiting 10 days for them to, to tell me that it wasn't going to work out again. Somehow, I don't know (laughs) how everything worked out. We went back for our next ultrasound And she had a healthy heartbeat. She was, you know, kind of size they would expect her to be for that gestational age. And I just, at that point is when I just like burst into tears. I was so surprised.
0: Yeah. It's because she's so feisty.
1: Oh my goodness. Yes, she is. (laughs) She's like, don't count me out. No, she is. Yes, she was amazing. So yeah, that was sort of our first thing, this pregnancy, that was a little bit scary and then worked out okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said before, I have type 1 diabetes, and something that can often go along with that in pregnancy is preeclampsia. Um, they warned me about that a lot during my first pregnancy with my son, and it just it never happened. So I kind of just assumed it wouldn't happen this time, but after... Let's see, I was like 33 weeks, just over 33 weeks. I went in. It was,
0: it was right after your baby shower.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was like three days after my baby shower. I yeah. So I went for just a typical appointment at the hospital and ended up not passing the biophysical profile, which is just kind of um, some checks on your baby. They have to do certain things uh, or they have to see certain things. And she didn't show them. So they sent me up to labor and delivery. And I ended up being diagnosed with preeclampsia and Mm. being admitted to the hospital (laughs) and being told that I wasn't going to be able to leave until she came.
0: Mm. And did they give you any sort of an idea of when that would be?
1: Not really. I didn't know a lot about preeclampsia. I still Mm -hmm. don't feel like I know a lot about (laughs) preeclampsia. So it's fairly common Mm -hmm. or it's not uncommon, but I guess there can be different sort of like severities Mm -hmm. of preeclampsia. And a lot of it depends on how quickly it's progressing. So when I was admitted to the hospital, they did my blood work and all of my organ functioning was still good. Like, it hadn't, the preeclampsia, even though they, you know, the test said, yep, you have it, it wasn't progressing that quickly. Or at least it wasn't at that point. Mm -hmm. They prepared me to deliver at 34 weeks. They said this is something that could happen. And then they also said, you know, it's possible that you make it to 37 weeks. We won't have you go past 37 weeks, but you know, if things are okay and your body's doing well and you're not sick and it's not impacting the baby, then potentially you could get to 37 weeks. So in my head, I had this, you know, that's a three-week range. Yeah. And being told that I wasn't going to be able to leave the hospital until I had her, I had this sort of weird, you know, I don't want to have her too early, but I also... Being in the hospital for four weeks does not seem like that much fun either. No. Um, especially with a toddler at home and things like that. So that was that was a little bit hard. But they weren't really able to tell me what they thought my body was going to do. Mm-hmm. I was pretty confident I was going to make it at least to 35 weeks. But... Um, That didn't happen either. (laughs) (laughs) She had other plans. She had other plans. She was ready for the world. (laughs) So, 30, I made it to 34 weeks and my blood pressures were really high. They got my, and I was on blood pressure medication, but that wasn't really controlling it very well. So, between that and then my blood work coming back saying that at that point it was impacting some of my organ functioning, they Basically, we're like, we need to deliver her right now, um <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, it was wild, and <laughs> I was pretty nervous and crying, and I had one of the doctors call my husband to be like, "We need you to get here in like twenty minutes. we're gonna deliver the baby, so, yeah, that was another really scary, unexpected time, but yeah, she was delivered at thirty four weeks and did really well. she spent. 10 days in the NICU, but she didn't need any breathing support or respiratory support. And um, yeah, she was just a little fighter the whole way through.
0: <laughs> and a really, really cute one.
1: Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you think that, well, this is a big question because that that is a whole lot of trauma to process in kind of a short amount of time. But do you think that the losses that you and your husband experienced, do you think that changed your, your relationship dynamic at all?
1: I don't know if it necessarily changed our relationship dynamic, but it did. Well, I guess it did because I think I wasn't willing to not keep trying. Mm-hmm. But by doing that, I also was sort of knowing that I was going to be having a lot of anxiety
0: hmm
1: throughout everything until we either had a baby or made the decision that we were all done so yeah. I have never really been somebody that's been very anxious I've always sort of been pretty calm I think I handle things well I think I can take on a lot of stress and yeah you still can function pretty pretty well <laughs> yes but I was highly anxious during that whole time. And even when we sort of took our break from trying, I I still couldn't completely let it go. Mm-hmm. It was still something that I thought about so frequently. So I think that while not necessarily like the relationship between me and my husband changed, I think I was suddenly this very anxious person that I hadn't typically been. And I think that for my husband, he was always concerned about me. And I think part of the reason for him wondering if we should continue trying was because he just had such a hard time seeing me go through such traumatic losses. Right. So I think that that's, I think that that's sort of the biggest way that that impacted our relationship.
0: When you found out that the pre- this pregnancy was viable and you, and you got super overwhelmed, w- was there ever a time throughout the pregnancy that you felt like you could enjoy it or did you feel nervous the whole time?
1: I think as the pregnancy went on, my anxiety sort of changed. And I do think it sort of lessened as time went on. But like I said earlier, I... I was sort of thinking like, okay, well, if I get to 12 weeks and everything's okay, then you know, maybe I won't be anxious anymore. Maybe I can really enjoy this pregnancy because one of my goals in it was sort of like, I know this is our last baby. I just want to enjoy it. I just Mm -hmm. want to be really present and grateful for every day that I spend pregnant this time. So I was really trying to do that, but at the same time was so worried about Everything that could go wrong. Right. So I get to 12 weeks and I'm still anxious. (laughs) It's not like there was this magic moment where, you know, I wasn't. But I think as I got closer, you know, to the 20 week mark and we had our big anatomy scan and all of that came back, you know, regular and normal, Uh I think that probably was the point where I settled in a little bit, probably up until I think I started worrying again around 30 weeks.
0: Okay. Tell me about that a little bit.
1: I think it was just the idea that, okay, we got through the first part. Yeah. And then, you know, 30 weeks, you're sort of closing in on the end. I was going to, she was going to be delivered by 38 weeks anyway, because I have diabetes. So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, that was eight weeks away from potentially her being here. And it's just kind of when the other worries started to set in, like you know, having diabetes, I'm at higher risk for having a stillborn baby, mm. and I know a woman who lost her baby at 37 weeks, and just mm. all of these things that you know now aren't necessarily related to the the beginning part of a pregnancy anxiety, it's like, okay, now it's the end of the pregnancy anxiety.
0: It's a whole new world of, yeah. of things to worry about.
1: Yep. Yeah. So, you know, I mean that started at 30 weeks and then or around 30 weeks. And then, you know, three weeks later I was in the hospital. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, with a with a whole new list of things to worry about. Yeah. I'm just so thankful that everything turned out the way that it did. It yeah. all seemed to I know for you, you were telling me that it sort of felt like it took ages and ages and like you were just in this limbo for a while.
1: Yeah. She's like, here I am. I know. I know you um, know who we're talking about you. <laughs> but I
0: know for for me and a couple of your other friends, it felt so fast. It felt like everything sort of turned on its head really quickly. And I will never forget the moment. We have a group chat thread that we all sort of participate in. And one of us made a new one and was like, has anybody heard from Antonia today? And I was like, no. And I have texted her and I'm a little nervous. And so we were all like using that alternative thread, like, oh, my God. And then within (laughs) an hour... You had texted us and you were like, she's here. <laughs> and we were like, oh, my God. Um, yeah. So I cannot imagine what that felt like for you having to sort of be like, am I going to go home? Am I not going to go home? Am I going to deliver this week? Am I going to make it to 37 weeks? But for everyone watching you, we were like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> that was that was crazy. That was it felt very very fast. It felt yeah. like you were just at your baby shower and then then there was a baby.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see. I mean even for me too. It was like you were totally right. Like it was like I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to go home. They were sort of throwing out the idea that I would be discharged and then and then it sounded like maybe I wasn't going to be discharged and then it kind of came up again and then all of a sudden it was like all right, now we're going to deliver this baby right now. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it was a little bit like whiplash. Like, I wasn't really sure. Yeah. I wasn't sure what was happening. But I did have a friend who was checking in on me pretty much every day, and she had gone through something similar. She also had preeclampsia and was in the hospital. And every day she would text me, and she would say, oh, like 34 and 6, you're getting there, or 33 and 6. And then she'd be like, 34. And then she texted me thirty four and one, and I was like, "Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, not so much. I didn't quite make it to there to that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think it, I can see that for other people, it's probably like, "Wait, what?" Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you? So do you feel like now that she's here, some of your anxieties have subsided, or are you finding new things? to kind of stress about?
1: No, I think that for the most part, my anxiety was tied to the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, even after, I mean, it was scary. It was like an emergency C-section and, and all of that. And I was very surprised and scared and, and all of those things when that was happening. But then we were in the hospital and I felt like, okay, if if there were anything that was going to happen, we're in the best place we can be right? for that. yeah. Um. So I think you know, not that there's zero anxieties, but, but so much of it for me was really tied up in the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, though, that having her here now has really made me think about the first time that I had a baby and with my son and all of that. While I don't really think I had postpartum anxiety or depression, I was in a very different place after that pregnancy than I am with with my daughter. And I think that a lot of it is probably having experienced it before. Mm -hmm. We sort of know a little bit what we're doing now (laughs) as much (laughs) as you can, I guess. So I think some of it is that. I think also some of it is just, I am a lot more relaxed this time around than I was with my son. I mean, we were anxious about everything with my son and I don't think I necessarily would have considered it anxiety at the time but now looking back at it I'm like whoa yep that was <laughs> there was a lot <laughs> happening and of course we were anxious you know it was our first baby and covid and all these things in life that were really anxiety provoking yeah. um but I guess when I was in it I didn't see it as much as now experiencing this with my daughter and looking back and being like wow that was that was intense
0: yeah so I'm really glad that you feel like you're you're able to settle with her and kind of you've developed a good routine how um how is your son adjusting to being a brother?
1: He's doing a really good job so far, yeah, um yeah, I mean, I think our daughter has sort of eased us in a little bit since she was so early. she still sleeps quite a bit mm-hmm. um but yeah, my son was so excited when we brought her home. I was really nervous about him when I spent all that time in the hospital and you know I mean he we have a really close relationship and it was there was no preparing him for the fact that I was going to be gone for a while right because none of us knew so um I was pretty worried about him for that and he just did such a great job he you know kids are so much more resilient than we think yeah Um, they are. I had a a hard, my husband and I had a harder time than, than my son did, you know? Yeah. He has just been really sweet with her. And I think he's excited for her to get a little bit bigger so they can play dinosaurs together and mm, things like yes. that. But um, but he's always asking about her and he's always coming over to give her kisses and introducing her to everybody. So it's been, <laughs> it's been one of my favorite parts so far, just seeing the way that he loves her and and interacts with her. It makes it feel like he's just so grown up and he's not even three yet, you know.
0: He's so big though.
1: <laughs> I know. It's crazy. I just Dude.
0: saw him the other day
1: and it's crazy how big he is. I know. Especially when I spend all my time with a, a six pound little baby. I, I can't. I oh, she's like, six
0: pounds now. She's I hope bigger. I think so.
1: I'm hoping. Yeah. I, yeah. I think she is.
0: Oh, we're my gonna go goodness. with that. We're gonna yeah. manifest it we will manifest six pounds it's crazy to me she's so teeny teeny tiny and my baby who is also a lot older than her but mm-hmm. is so massive <laughs> that, like when I hold your daughter it's I could do this all day like yeah. I don't I don't need to I don't need a pillow I don't need anything like I could do this all day
1: yeah I totally know what you mean
0: so when you think back to when you were going through the trauma of your losses and then getting pregnant again, do you do you can you think of a resource or something that you sort of wish you may have had
1: during that time? That's a good question. I honestly feel like I was pretty well supported through that. I know, you know, just from listening to your other episodes of this podcast, I know that that's not always true for everybody, but I think my primary care physician was really incredible. Um That's so great. Yeah, I think she knew right away that I was not doing well and I think that she really was kind of the catalyst for a lot of the support that came after including, you know, she helped match me up with my therapist and she got me started on, on anxiety medication. And I think those are those were two really big things for me. Mhm. I think that The only thing that I can sort of think of is I wish that I had been a little bit quicker to reach out to people who had been through similar experiences because I, you know, like I said before, I think that that was another sort of catalyst for a lot of support that I got. And at first, I wasn't really sure if I should do that because like I said there were people that I hadn't really talked to for a while or you know one was a colleague at work that you know we were friendly but we weren't really close or anything and it sometimes it felt kind of weird to be reaching out to these people that I wasn't necessarily close with for this really personal reason mhm and then I, there's also the, the thought that like if I reach out to them about this am I bringing up traumatic things that they're trying to not think about either. Right. You know, so it's like, I was trying to balance the, what I needed for myself versus like, oh, I don't want to stir up all of these memories that I know are going to be hard and things like that. So I do feel like I was pretty well supported through it, but I, in the moment, I guess I wished that there was more of a platform for people to feel comfortable talking about what had gone on with them. Because like I said, now there's so many women and families that I've connected with that have gone through something similar. But at the time when I'm racking my brain to like, okay, who has gone through this and who do I feel comfortable reaching out to? There really weren't many people.
0: Right. And do you think, do you feel differently now? About talking about it,
1: I feel now that I've had more than a year of therapy, like pretty targeted <laughs> therapy around this, and have been able to process it and and really dig deep about some of the beliefs that I held about myself. I think I'm able to talk about it in a way that I don't think I ever would have been if I hadn't processed it in that way mm-hmm. um, with a therapist that I feel really connected to and safe with, sort of a goal of mine when I started therapy was to be able to talk about my experience with other people and was one of the reasons why I felt like I should share my story on your podcast because I just... You know, I think that people say all the time how hard it is to talk about miscarriages. And, you know, the statistic now is one in four women will experience a miscarriage. And that is an insane number to me. Yeah, But I can't think of, you know, 25% of the women in my life and be like, oh, I know all of these people who have miscarried. And I know that it's absolutely a personal choice whether or not and how you share your story. I just wanted to make sure that people knew. You know, I was so grateful for those two women that I reached out to who were so supportive. Like, I would absolutely be willing to talk to anybody, whether we're close or not, who is going through that, because I know what it felt like to feel really alone and isolated and like you're the only one going through it, when in reality, that's certainly not the case. And Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody to feel the way that I did, and I think a lot of women have, um, if they you know, if they didn't have to, I always wanted to be sort of a resource, but I just had such a hard time communicating that and like knowing how to get it out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do think I'm now much more able to to talk about it and not feel as emotional and triggered.
0: Right. Well, and I feel so grateful that you chose to share your story here. And I know that you are a pretty private person, so I'm just grateful and it's it's really nice to hear you say that like you want to be that resource for other people. I think you're absolutely right. It is so much more common than people talk about. Yeah. Um I actually just spoke with another mom who went through multiple losses. I wanted to make sure that I communicated to her and I'll communicate to you the same thing like I can't relate to that and it and it makes me so sad especially when it's someone that you care about because you want so badly to be there for that person. But I don't think that you can because you don't understand it. And I don't understand it. So hearing it from you and hearing it from women like you um, really helps to give me that perspective. And I think you'll be helping each other kind of process the trauma of that. So I just I'm really grateful and thankful that that you chose to share your story.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it feels good to me too. It feels like I've, you know, for the benefit of of other people who are going through this, you know, certainly that, but also sort of for myself to be like, okay, I'm in a place where I can share it and that's exciting. Yeah. Um because there were times I couldn't even think about it or talk about it. You know, it feels like I've done some growing in the last, you know, year <laughs> and a half or so.
0: Yeah, it's a milestone. It's a big milestone. Is there a message or Something that that you heard that helps you get through, or like a mantra, or something that you would say to someone in your position to help them through that that traumatic period.
1: Oh, I've thought about that a lot, actually. I think for me, people were so well intentioned, but because of the space that I was in, I had a really hard time, you know, listening to people say, "Oh, yeah, I know somebody who's had three losses, and now they have." another, another baby, or, you know, I know that people really were trying to help. Mm -hmm. I think that for me, it was even, it was causing me even more anxiety to think about the way that other people's lives had worked out after going through multiple losses, Mm -hmm. because I think then I was trying to put myself in a frame of mind where I was like, okay, this is going to work out. When the reality of it is, it could work out and it could not work out. And so I think the message that I would have for people in a situation like mine is less about kind of your mindset and like being positive or anything like that, but more just around making sure that you do the things that you feel like are helpful for you at that moment. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. You know, for me, I. Think therapy was, I keep saying it, but it was just (laughs) so helpful. I think listening to the people that were close to me, you know, my husband and my doctor and people like that kind of voice that they're worried about me. I think sometimes people can sort of be like in the eye of the storm and not see it because Mm -hmm. they're just trying to work through it. But really listening to the people that are around you and if they're concerned about you, there's you know they know you well so i think not being shy to to do the things that you feel like you need to make you feel better for other people it might be it might be reaching out to people and having a lot of the conversations and hearing success stories and things like that for me that wasn't helpful
0: but right.
1: I guess asking for and and making it happen like the things that you feel like you need taking care of you, make sure you take care, care of care you, of making you. yeah, making yourself the priority and not feeling like you can't ask for help or can't ho- ask for support.
0: Well, and you sort of touched on this a little bit, but just so that it's like blatantly clear for someone like me who hasn't gone through it, but. Can, that has a loved one that they care about, are there things in particular you should just do not do or do not
1: say? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I hate to like do a blanket statement like that because I think everybody is so different and, yeah. and there may be people that benefit from certain things and they're just worth the things that I wanted to hear. But, you know, I think hearing things like everything happens for a reason mm. and hearing things like, you know things work out the way they're supposed to i think those things for me were not helpful because it it felt like it sort of minimized what i went through right and it made it feel like that was just a small thing that was going to happen and and it was
0: it minimized your experience
1: yeah. yeah and especially when i was so emotional about it and so crushed by it to have somebody be like oh yeah well things things happen the way they're supposed to it just didn't feel good to me. But, you know, I do think for people that are trying to be supportive, just being there to listen whenever your friend or loved one is ready to talk about it. I mean, there were times when I just sat with a friend and I just cried and I didn't even talk about it because I couldn't talk about it, you know, but then just knowing that that those people were there for me, I think was even if it was something they hadn't experienced, that was incredibly helpful. That's Um, so
0: great. I'm so glad that you had that.
1: Yeah, and and again, I know the people trying to kind of put a positive spin on it and saying like, "Oh, you know, things are going to get better," and and it'll, you know, it'll all be okay. Like, I totally get that, and I think that in some circumstances, that's probably been me saying that to people. Yeah, but I just, I think that maybe what's more beneficial is just being there to listen and to remind that person that you love them and that what they're going through is really hard and, you know, and you'll support them in whatever way you can. I also think about, I think it was like a, a social media post that went viral about a text message that a friend, that a woman sent to her friend who had just experienced a loss. And it basically gave her options. It was like, do you want me to pick up your kids? Take them to Taco Bell or whatever, give you (laughs) some time. Or do you want me to get your groceries? Or, you know, like all of these things that were different ways of showing that person that you cared. So I think for some people that might be helpful too, just trying to take away the other things in life that are stressful so that they can just for a minute think about this big thing that they just went through.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's really good information. And I really like that idea. It's almost like a multiple choice. Of yeah,
1: like, exactly. How can I help you? Yes. How can I help you? So along those same lines, thinking about things that, that were difficult um, when I was going through my losses was really seeing other people, you know, their pregnancy announcements on social media or even just, you know, their pregnant bodies in at work or, you know, anywhere, really. Yeah. Um, and I just felt so sort of bad about myself because it was some of these people I really loved. And like you were one of those people, Chelsea. Yeah. And, and I am so, you know, I was so happy for people. And at the same time, I was so crushed for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt like for me to to deal with what I was going through, I had to sort of censor what I was seeing and what I was interacting with, especially online I wanted to be really genuinely happy for people. And in the moment, it was really hard for me to not feel happy for people. Yeah,
0: and I think that that's so valid. And I think like a lot of my questions around this topic with like what to say and what not to say, I mean, I genuinely want people to know, people who haven't experienced it, but even for like myself, it was hard for me to know what to do or what to say because I was pregnant during that time. Yeah. Um, So like caring about you so much, but not wanting to make it worse. You know what I mean? So like, so it's one thing to have a friend who is not pregnant and maybe not even ever going to be pregnant or wants to be pregnant and what but wants to be there for you. And then like a whole other thing when you're having to experience seeing your friends and family around you going through pregnancies and and you're and you're experiencing losses. Like I just I cannot imagine and and I'm glad that you were supported in the way that you were. And I'm glad that you have come to a place now where, like, you feel like you can share and you've got your beautiful little girl. And, but it does not diminish at all what you went through by any means.
1: Yeah. And I think that's part of what's still a little bit hard for me. You know, we were really lucky and we did end up with our daughter, but there was a chance that that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think either way I was going to have to get to a point where I could be happy for people who are pregnant, even if it didn't work out for me, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that, that that's still it, not articulating this well, but.
0: Well, but I'm, I'm almost going to pause you, t- uh, too, because you don't you didn't have to be happy for people and you didn't have to feel those things like you were grieving, And you're, you're still, you can still grieve. Yeah. So, I mean, it does, it speaks to where you're at in your life that you want to be happy for these people and that you're starting to like be able to see that, but it's 100% valid for you to still have that grief and experience those things.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's not an either or, like, I understand that like your pregnancy didn't make mine. (laughs) not work out. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think it's, you're grieving, obviously the loss of, you know, your baby, but also sort of the loss of what you've pictured your life to be. You get to the point where you're thinking about, you know, like when you're 10, 12 weeks pregnant, like you've had a lot of time to think about and be excited about what is coming, Mm -hmm. or at least, you know, I did. So it was sort of like the physical loss. And then it was also this loss of what you perceived your life was going to be like, or pictured your life to be like. And I think that that for me was one of almost bigger. It was like, I'd already let myself think about it. And so it's not that I, I guess I wasn't happy for people. It was just, I was maybe jealous that other people were we're living that life that I just so badly wanted or experiencing this thing that I so badly wanted. And there's no rhyme or reason to why it happens yeah. to a certain person and it doesn't happen to another person. And and you, I don't want anyone to go through it. I think, I mean, it's just horrible. So it's not like I didn't get comfort in, I mean, I did get comfort in talking to other people. I wish that there hadn't been other people that had Gone through it as well, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You
0: don't wish it on anyone, but you were glad that you found solidarity in others. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: a great way to say it.
0: Well, again, I just want to thank you for coming on here and sharing your story. I feel so honored. And I also feel honored to have you as such a good friend. So this was a really great, great recording experience for me. And I know that your story is going to impact somebody probably a lot of somebodies and i'm also very very happy that you have your little family and everybody's healthy and and yeah so just thank you
1: thank you Chelsea made it easier to talk about when it's somebody that you're friends with and close with you know i don't know okay. if i would have been able to do this with with somebody that i didn't have a relationship with so thank you
0: well i'm glad that i could help facilitate that <laughs> Thank you again to Antonia for her bravery in sharing her story. If you want to follow along with us on Quiet Connection, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Quiet Connection or at Quiet Connection Podcast. You can find us on all your major podcast platforms like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Amazon, iTunes, and more. Join us next time where another story is told and you realize you are not alone. I see you.